Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael Kevin. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 1984's Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante, tells the story of a small town that is infested with horrible little monsters at Christmas time after a young aspiring artist is gifted an adorable mogwai furry cute creature by his crackpot inventor dad. And it's really awesome, and Michael and I watched it. And joining us to discuss Gremlins is none other than one of the co-directors of Dragon Con's American Sci-Fi Classics track, since uh, Gremlins is nothing if not an American sci-fi classic. It's Joe Crow, everyone. Hello. Hello, Joe. That's my Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello. Hello. It was uh, indeed a drive-by fruiting. It would uh run by fruiting is what it run was. Run by fruiting, yes. You're yes, right. but it was a run by fruiting. Get your shit together, Bruso. I'm not <laughs> sure if uh Mrs. Doubtfire constitutes an American science fiction classic. Okay. <laughs> Gremlins <laughs> definitely does. It it just now occurred to me, Kevin, is there any skateboarding in Mrs. Doubtfire? I mean, there's uh, bound to be. There's like a scene where they're all dancing to jump around. Like maybe there's Doubtfire probably skateboards at some point. Man, who's gonna be the canary in the coal mine to, to, <laughs> to check that? So Joe, uh tell us about your uh history with the motion picture Gremlins. It was one of those movies, I believe, the, the back in the previous century, it was the year 1984, I believe. And um, uh, the movie was one of those things that everybody said, you've got to go see this movie. And um, of course we did. We had the old two theater uh, movie house uh, in Clanton, Alabama. and. Now it is a carpet dealership, but you can't watch movies in there. All you can do is buy carpet. It's ridiculous. Uh, and I watched it then, and I it was a long time before I rewatched it. Once I uh, grew more elderly and uh, gained a child, we started watching it for Christmas. And if obviously you've seen the movie. It's really a terrible thing to watch for Christmas. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm now curious, what age did you and your child start watching Gremlins together? Uh nine, ten. Okay, because my daughter's eight and she noped out as soon as uh the gremlins started getting a little scary and violent. Sure. Yeah. Um we uh Quinn doesn't really have a problem with um fictional looking violence uh but like if somebody barfs on screen that's it <laughs> that's <you know. laughs> that's the line shut it down shut it down <laughs> yeah so, I, so that scene in stand by me is is not happening <laughs> 100% oh that's the worst one yeah <laughs> I was looking at 1984 as a movie year, and I like in in kind of nerd circles, 1982 is sort of held up as as the golden year of nerd yeah. movies. Um, but 1984, I think, has some game. I was I was looking at it, like even like beyond 
sort of sci-fi movies like i'm going to do a partial list of 1984 movies um ghostbusters gremlins buckaroo bonsai terminator starman karate kid red dawn never ending story supergirl last starfighter indiana jones and the temple of doom splash dreamscape johnny dangerously conan the destroyer beverly hills cop romancing the stone top secret ice pirates nightmare on elm street footloose purple rain spinal tap Cloak and Dagger, and Repo Man. That is a hell of a year. <laughs> that's all from 1984? Yeah. Yes. Holy shit. That's, that's nuts. And because we only had two screens in Clanton, I maybe saw uh, at the time, without ha- without leaving town, I could only see like five of those. The rest of them, we had to go to the big city. Ah, I, I that 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 is an overwhelming list of insanely good movies. Jeez, yeah, man. Oh, and the the Caravan of Courage, Star Wars movies, <laughs> Ewoks. That's oh, right. That year. That's true. Although that, I guess that was TV. That counts. Was, yeah, um, but Gremlins. I had not. I had honestly not seen Gremlins. I think since I was a kid. Yeah, and I was revisiting it for this. And there were things I remembered watching as a kid with it. I remembered it started with that uh, great Darlene Love song, uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. And I remembered certain things the Gremlins did. But I I really, really enjoyed watching Gremlins for this podcast. Yeah, me too. I hadn't seen it. You know, I I think I probably saw it once as a little kid when it came out. And I, 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 I have a pretty deep aversion to horror. I was not a huge horror movie, movie person at all as a kid. And this edged really close to a real, you know, like a severe horror movie uh, to the point where it made me a little uncomfortable as a kid. And then I probably saw it one more time as a teenager and haven't thought about it since. And I think the thing that that struck me this time is that it's much more of a horror movie than I thought it was, but it's also a much sillier movie than I ever. I think a lot of the really silly stuff I thought was relegated to gremlins too. Yeah. But, but th- there was a lot of those scenes, especially with, you know, the scenes where they're all where the, the, the evil gremlins are on their Rango Tango devil may care spree. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more funny references to things that I remembered. Yeah, this is, I mean, it, this is definitely sort of the intersection of horror and Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. To, to the point where, like, I, as a little kid, I would not have recognized the Chuck Jones cameo, but I immediately oh. in the movie was like, oh, that's Chuck Jones when um, Billy's, like, older drawing mentor in the bar. Oh, that's right. Is yeah, by, yeah. Is played by the great Chuck Jones of, uh, wow, who directed so many great Looney Tunes cartoons. And, uh, and obviously, like Joe Dante went on to direct Looney Tunes back in action. And before doing this movie, he had just done The Howling. So, ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a that's a weird Venn diagram, but that works out yeah. nicely. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's the perfect guy for this movie. It's yeah, because it's there are points where you definitely feel, and more so in the sequel than in this one, that. The director is on the side of the gremlins. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's having a good time with those gremlins. Much like in, in Tim Burton's Mars Attacks, you get the sense that Tim Burton's on the side of the Martians. In this movie, there are moments where Joe Dante clearly is on the side of the gremlins and just wants to have them do more crazy stuff. Right. 
right? He wants them to take over the earth and and wreak their their gremlin havoc. Now, obviously, uh, there are the uh, rules that uh, when Billy's gifted Gizmo by his ne'er do well inventor dad of uh, don't feed them after midnight, don't get them wet. Uh, they hate bright light, which is, I mean, the hate bright light thing is really just a. Um, it's hard for the special effects to look good in daylight. So that was a yes. <laughs> yeah, write that in, Will. <laughs> I remember at the time the movie came out that when they did toy tie-ins to the movie, they made a jingle out of the rules, and in the commercial with a little kid playing with the gizmo toy breaks every rule and i'm like dumbass it's very plain the song you are singing the song why why are you breaking the rules and make sure to keep him out of the light and never never feed him after midnight i'm always greatly entertained by the idea of like you know the dialogue you leave out is what leads to the insanity in whatever movie and the idea that if the if the if the shopkeeper who who owned Gizmo in the first place had simply just elaborated on what would happen <laughs> <laughs> don't get him wet cool see you later like, like <laughs> Maybe if he had just been like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to finish my sentence. They're going to take over the earth and just, and murder everyone. They <laughs> will turn into lizard dudes. And they will try to actively murder you. And <laughs> yeah. everyone that you know. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they, they could have avoided a little bit of that. But then we wouldn't have the, the, the fun gremlins that we have now. So, And yeah. I hope that the uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Wing you know, was hanging out going, man, I bet there's some crap going on at that house. Yeah. I'm going to check in. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks. We all know how this is going to go. We've, I've, I've repeated this uh, multiple times. <laughs> I was very clear. He didn't buy the extended warranty. Yeah, just, just, uh, well, how casually, like, like, I think it's like within five minutes of, of the kid receiving the gift of the, of the, uh, the gift of the mogwai which is a different fable uh he gets him wet he's like yeah i got him wet and the dad's like didn't i literally just tell you not to get the literally the just... like one it's been one movie minute ago <laughs> and and here we are with a soaking wet mogwai <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> i was impressed with how quickly into the movie shit goes off the rails oh yeah <laughs> moments later <laughs> i'm gonna take this little guy up to my bedroom and then dunk him in a bucket of water <laughs> <laughs> and i just I, I did love in this movie kind of the references to other movies where they're you know they're constantly watching it's a wonderful life uh, sure mostly because it was yeah. in the public domain then um i love how mrs deagle the evil rich lady shows up as the, like the wicked witch of the west Yep. Threatening to give the dog a slow, painful death. Um, <laughs> like, I, I just love how this movie is infused with love of like comic books and old horror movies and just everything that is good and awesome in the world. Right. Yeah. right. Well, I, I was I was struck by just like I love how I love how with a practical special effect, like a puppet in a box. I love how more willing at least my brain is to just accept that that's a little creature. 
then it, it you know like the the it's like the better special effects get the more critical my eye is but with a movie from 1984 where there's it's just a it's just a latex puppet in a box i'm like that's a real gremlin like my brain is just like yep i accept this and this yeah. is what's happening there is a story where at one point they were thinking of having monkeys in costumes as the gremlins and they brought a monkey to joe dante's office and put him, the monkey in the costume. The monkey freaked out and just started throwing <laughs> poop everywhere and destroyed the office. And apparently Joe Dante went, so, puppets then. The puppets then, yeah. Let's, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll stick with puppets. That's <laughs> a little more predictable, I guess. I think if the Gremlins were CGI, this movie would be uh, 75% worse. Of course, yeah. I mean, the yeah. CGI, it just doesn't... Your brain, your eye just doesn't buy it. It doesn't like. I don't know. There's a physicality to these things. There, you know, especially with the with the evil gremlins. This the stripe gremlins. Is it stripe or spike? Stripe. Stripe. I I can't think of spike too. Yeah. But uh, you know, just make them wet and gross, and I'm like, yep, okay, this is yeah, and put one in a in a in high heels because (laughs) that's a that's a good gag. Totally cool. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, like, when the Gremlins first show up, like, it's it starts out when the Gremlins first show up, it's much scarier. Like, that scene with the mom with, do you hear what I hear? Like, that's legit scary. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, psycho homage. And then I feel like once it gets to the bar where Phoebe Cates is frantically trying to serve the Gremlins, like, she's playing Tapper. Instead that, of just leaving? <laughs> that's when That's when the film, like, sort of... Uh, pivots to wacky <laughs> yeah i had also completely forgotten that phoebe cates was in the movie i, I was like oh hello i just want to shut down the whole podcast because there was a tapper reference i'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> well i love Tapper so much all right y'all continue it's a fantastic <laughs> game and uh, oh my god i love phoebe cates yeah in general and in this movie when and we were going to get to this, I'm, I'm thinking, but um, at DragonCon a few years ago, I hosted a Q&A with Zach Galleon and no one else. I mean, there were people in the audience, but it was just me and yeah. him. <laughs> uh, but um, to skip ahead to the Phoebe Cates portion of that interview, the audience immediately asked about Phoebe Cates. Yeah. <laughs> Not... The person who was physically there. (laughs) But uh, Phoebe Cates has retired, according to Zach Galligan, and she is a a curator at an art museum. She's married to Kevin Klein. Yeah. 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 Um, So Kevin Klein goes out and does movies, and she, yeah, she does. I think she has a shop, too. Okay. Um, But, yeah, she does. She, I think the last bit of acting she did was there was a movie in 2001 called The Anniversary Party, uh, which Jennifer Jason Lee directed, and I think they had become friends when they did Fast Times at Ridgemont High together. And she, she Phoebe Cates appeared in that as a favor to Jennifer Jason Lee, um, but for most of the 90s, she was not working. Is The Anniversary Party the one with Alan Cummings where they do a bunch of ecstasy and... that That is exactly the movie. Yeah, all right, oh. yeah. <laughs> Like they're, they're yeah, it's like a they're having like a party in like some Hollywood Hills house, and then they do a bunch of E, and he like turns into a raver. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's it's it's kind of like Gremlins itself in in a way. So so Joe, once the audience exhausted all of their Phoebe Cates questions, um, 
what kind of nuggets did Galligan drop? He was not the most forthcoming of guests that I have hosted Q&As for. And he seemed, and I'm sure he does these all the time and has done them for years, but I had never met him before. And which is always, that's fine. I mean, I introduce myself to people before panels and everybody's different. He just was kind of watching the clock, I thought. Mm. And um, obviously, the main thing people want to know about is gremlins. And he had a toy gizmo with him for photo ops. And he just kind of seemed resigned to the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it was just kind of a bummer, really. It was, I mean, the interview was fine, but he wasn't. He didn't really do any crowd work, you know. Uh, he he just kind of politely answered the questions, and then we got out of there. There there weren't really any massive revelations because it was stuff that he it was answers that he's probably said twenty times. Like I haven't done as many celebrity Q and As as you have at cons, but I feel like the ones I have done, like I've done some at Rhode Island Comic Con with like Buffy cast members. And the one, the ones that have gone well are the ones who realize that people are there to be entertained. So the ones who have kind of stories prepared that they may have told at every other con, like it's a performance. It's not really a Q and A, and it's I'm sure it sounds like Zach G did not understand the assignment. Right. You you want to hear the stories over and over again. Right. And I couldn't um, I couldn't really pull anything out of it. And I'm not saying it was a bad. It, it wasn't bad. I've had worse. <laughs> I've done. I've been involved in worse. But but Zach Galligan was. I don't know. I I think I put a lot of I put a lot of pressure on him, not to his face. But I was like, man, I'm get. I'm going to interview the Gremlins guy. And I don't know. I think I was more disappointed than he was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time I did a Q and A with Elijah Dushku from Buffy, and she had literally been mugged a few oh. hours before oh lord the panel and she was not in a good frame of mind for it understandably so yeah and so backstage she was like like who are you like well i don't need a moderator i'll just go out like and but like as soon as she got in front of the audience a switch flipped and she was on and i was like this this woman is a pro I was super impressed by how she how she was able to turn it on for the audience. Yeah. Like she un, like she knew what she was there for. Well, I'm bummed I'm bummed that uh Zach G was not as fun as you'd hope. I uh, yeah, that that was that really it was all me because the the crowd was into it, you know, and and he carried the conversation and he talked about, you know, the 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 two movies and Got the the awful question about so what's happened with the Gremlins three? Well, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a couple of years ago, and now there actually has been something happening with Gremlins because there's a cartoon, and and he's in it, but he couldn't say anything about it then, ah, and didn't and <laughs> said nothing uh, about it. So and then I, there was a Gremlins Super Bowl commercial. I think he was in a, a year or two ago, maybe. Anyway, he's been back in the Gremlins fold recently. Uh, he did, he had just had not been at the time. So maybe he was like, 
one day this stuff's going to pay off again. <laughs> and I'm just watching the clock. Yeah. But uh, I finally did. I've heard good things about the cartoon. I've heard it's a lot of fun and has a cool little style to it. It's like a pre-story. It's like a pre Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't I like my kids have expressed interest in watching it, but we've been we've been traveling a bit, so it, it hasn't because they're very interested in the Mogwai and the rules of the Mogwai. Sure. And um in Gremlins too, they start to pick at the rules of the Mogwai a bit in the way that like my children who are like, Well, what if it's eleven fifty nine and then you cross the international dateline and you feed the excellent which that's great is i love it a valid question that's certainly I mean, the, a valid question the other the other alternative is just feed it anyway that's 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 yeah. what that's what zach did yeah <laughs> have a sandwich <laughs> i know it's 1 p.m and i was told i'm sorry 1 a.m and i was told not to do this but told Here's Very a ham sandwich. <laughs> Enjoy your ham sandwich. It wasn't like he had to answer these riddles three. Right, right. It was three. Yeah, three very clear rules. <laughs> no further questions. No, that's all there is. So, are or there? Are, is there a fourth rule? No, no, no. It's just the three. They're pretty easy. Although it, I, it did beg the question, like, so what is the what is what is a gremlin drink mm. if they can't get wet? Do they need to drink? Do they just? I don't know. That bar scene uh, they drink. These are the kind yeah, of yeah, questions. Yeah. This is why podcasts exist for hard hitting. Yeah. We're getting to the core of it. That's right. We're really tearing. In. The layers of the uh, the gremlin onion, <laughs> the gremlin. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, um, back to Phoebe Cates, her monologue about her oh, father Lord. dying in the middle of this crazy movie is one of my favorite things because it's so out of place, yeah, that it's, it's... perfect for this movie it's like it's from a different movie it's right right <laughs> yeah she just somebody had her to the wrong script <laughs> it's yeah it's 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 very very disturbing i feel like i'm rem- i'm remembering uh maybe zach brought it up or he somebody asked him but he he said that of course he because some the audience guy was like well did you read the script and he's like Yes, before she did the, the monologue. He's <laughs> like, yes, that is that was my job. Uh, <laughs> but but he but when I think he said like she got it in two takes. Wow. It was just like boom. All pro. Yeah, but just wow. The and I I'm wondering what if the movie was longer and every character got a tragic <laughs> family monologue. Right. Corey Feldman, young, young Corey Feldman. <laughs> well, I I had watched Gremlins too, and there's like a scene where she starts talking about Abe Lincoln's birthday and like <laughs> and my father wore a stovepipe hat and everyone just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's sick of your shit, Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are a ton of weird little uh I don't want to say cameos, but in small roles, you've got Judge Reinhold as a obnoxious yuppie. You've got very young Corey Feldman. 
You've got Dick Miller, who we last saw on this podcast in Chopping Mall, getting electrocuted by the evil robots as uh, Murray Futterman, the xenophobic <laughs> neighbor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is a, a smorgasbord of 80s actors and performers and, well, before the 80s, um, Key Luke, for goodness sake. Yeah. Um, it's like the casting in this, I, I feel, is pretty on point. I think uh, as the dad, was it Hoyt Axton? Yeah. I think Hoyt Axton's great. I thought of, I, when I saw him, I was like, well, that's probably Joe Don Baker, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Polly Holiday, who is, uh, well, she's, she's Flo from Alice, mm -hmm. but she also is from my home state. And not only that, went to my alma mater. Nice. So she came to speak once while I was there and refused to say her catchphrase. Refused to say kiss my grits. Outright said, I will not be saying it. And you can imagine how happy and contented the crowd was when she did that. Why would you not say it? Does she have like a payment minimum? Like for, you need to pay a hundred grand for me to say kiss. I mean, grits. this is decades later, and I don't know why she didn't just say it. You know, it's funny because like I, I'm so split down the middle with stuff like that. Like in one way, I'm like, well, you're a human being with your own agency and autonomy. And if you don't want to say the fucking thing, don't say. But on the other hand, I'm like, just say like, why would you not just say kiss my grits? You'll make a, a auditorium full of teenagers lose their goddamn minds. Yeah. Why do you want, why don't you want to say it? And, and I, 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 I did not get. One-on-one -on -one time with Flo, so I don't know, but uh, it was, it was, um, I think that, that might have been the first time I saw, like, a an appearance, like, by a celebrity at that point, so, no way, when I was little, I saw Lauren Green. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Whole different podcast. Did, did Lauren but, Green um, say Kiss My Grits? Yes. Yeah, well, there you go. It's, he knows, <laughs> he, he knows how to, he knows how to play the game. Yeah, he does. No, he uh, he came to rodeos in the seventies and uh, probably sang show tunes and Christmas songs. I guess there's a Christmas album by Lauren Green, and it is amazing. But anyway, <laughs> it's a bonanza of fun. It is a bonanza. Hey, look of fun. at that! <laughs> Nicely done. I'm trying to think what the first like time i went to see like a celebrity in person was yeah. i remember my first celebrity sighting um when i was a very little kid i was i was in new york and i i saw lauren bacall on the street and i didn't know oh. who lauren bacall was but everyone was making a big deal of it um <laughs> so i just remember that i saw shauna na in concert as a very very little kid but i do not know that there was a an opportunity for any one-on-one -on -one time with bowser I, I saw Shauna as a little kid and they signed autographs after the show. Oh, man. Nice. And said, Jealous. <laughs> it's, 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 that, it's funny now that I think about it, I'm sure that that's one of the things. Like, that's one of those things my father would have been, like wanted to avoid at all costs. Like, we're going home. We're going to get ahead of, of the traffic. And I was like, <laughs> but Bowser's my, my idol. And he's like, we're not standing in the. It was weird to me seeing Shauna because the lineup was slightly different. 
from the TV show because the TV show was a few years old. Right. Uh-huh. Like, Where's Dirty Danny? <laughs> Have I told my Shannon story already on this podcast, Kevin? Surprisingly, you have not. So the oh, floor is well, yours. I'm, when I'm I was super a, excited. When, this excited. is what this is what it's not really a shot. Well, it's it's one of those stories about how you know when you're a little kid, and when you're a little kid, what you don't have a lot of is information. So you sort of fill in the blanks just based on your own gut feeling about the world when you're three or four and you just don't know anything <clears throat> when i was a little kid we went we had a small record collection and for some reason for reasons completely beyond me now in 2023 we had a copy of kisses destroyer i don't know why we would have had that record my father certainly wasn't a fan of kiss and neither was my mother I, in my head an older uncle or cousin just I don't know why. I, I again, maybe it's just because we lived in suburbia and you just got issued a copy of Kisses Destroyer. <laughs> I have that no idea. Covers. Right, exactly. Like I just we had it, but I was a little <laughs> kid and I thought the cover of the album was terrifying, and that the music was like loud and scary. I mean, we're, we're talking. I was like three or four years old at this point, and then my parents took me to see Shanana. And again, I don't know, in my mind, I decided that that was at the Stadium Theater in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, but it also could have very easily been like the Warwick Music Tent. I was so young that I have no recollection as to, but all I remembered as a little kid was that it was very, very loud and I wanted to go home. And somewhere in the aftermath of that, I convinced myself that i had seen kiss and it was one of those things that just stayed in the back of my head and i would tell people as a little kid oh i i saw kiss not as a brag but as like a oh i i i saw a really loud scary band and I, in my mind, I was like, that just equaled kiss. And it wasn't until I was about 14 or 15 years old where I was recounting the tale of seeing kiss at the stadium theater in Woonsocket, Rhode Island to my friend, Rob Lafferty. And he was like, I'm pretty sure that you didn't see kiss <laughs> in Woonsocket, Rhode Island when you were four <laughs> years old. But it was one of those things where until I said it out loud as a teenager, it had never occurred to me how ridiculous <laughs> that scenario was. And I, like literally as I'm telling the story, I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's not accurate at all. And then had to go and like asked my father and he was like, no, no, I took you to see Shanana and you cried the whole time because you were four and just it was loud and scary. and You wanted to go home. And it, so I it was just that's it, I love the idea of retelling the story at 14 and my friend Rob Lafferty listening very intently and kind of shaking his head and being like, are you sure <laughs> you saw the band Kiss, <laughs> who were um, playing stadiums at that, yeah, at who at the exactly not and, the stadium stadiums, yes, <laughs> at the the, uh, the work and whereas uh, the stadium in Woonsocket is where a uh, community theater production of Forever Plaid might be staged. <laughs> sure, sure, exactly. Yeah, maybe like some of the members of like of of like 
you know, the little river band, <laughs> like the bass player and the tambourine player might show up and do a show. Yeah, but I just... I, Credence after they fired John Fogarty. Yeah, yeah, the other guys from Credence. Exactly. Now, now, Joe, I know that you love a 1980s movie tie-in novel. Like sure. those novelizations you used to find at CVS mm-hmm. or a typical drug, like where someone would... Like get the an author would get the script of the movie while it was being made, and then write a novel based on the script, and then mm-hmm. they put out a paperback with an insert in the middle with a bunch of color photos. And I'm curious, did you, have you read the Gremlins movie novelization? I have not. I've read prop. Well, the the novelization was something you would when when we would go to the the uh, the. Uh, Walden books after seeing a movie pick up the old novelization then you're going to get the full story mm-hmm. as far as we knew at the time and it, novelizations were like well this is these are like dvd extras would right. be kind of how i thought of them you know <laughs> i thought well this is all the stuff they didn't have time to film and here is all the the info and um some of them are super not great and some of them are amazingly weird, like uh, the Star Trek, the motion picture novelization, for instance. In that one, um, Gene Roddenberry wrote it and goes on a long tangent about how Kirk and Spock could not possibly be sex partners. <laughs> it is mind blowing. But anyway. Was that? I wonder if that was a reaction to like the burgeoning fancy slash fiction that was coming out. It a hundred percent was. It a hundred percent was. I um, <laughs> Gremlins came out during the height of my movie novelization reading, and I sure the the novelization for Gremlins, written by George Guype, is bonkers, and uh, it has like it has a prologue that is told from Gizmo's point of view. Really? Um, where you get like kind of the gremlins mm-hmm. backstory, how uh, they're from outer space. Um, but the most amazing thing about the gremlins novelization to me within this, like it is one of those moments like that you have as a kid where you like come across a piece of art that legitimately blows your mind. Cause you're like, I didn't know that could be done. And for me, one of those, like, you know, I had that with the Ramones and I had that the first time I heard the sex pistols, but one of those moments for me was absolutely the fucking Gremlins novelization because there was uh, a subplot involving the Corey Feldman character, Pete, and he ends a chapter saying how he will absolutely not forget to uh, feed the Gremlins before midnight, and he swears up and down. And then the next chapter is two words, mm-hmm. and it just says, Pete forgot. And that was amazing to me. I was like, I didn't know you could play with the form of the novel like that and have most of it be regular chapters. And then one chapter is just two words. It blew my fucking mind. How how old were you at that point? Uh, I was like nine. Yeah, that's the right age to have your face melted by something like that. Yeah. And, like, I have always remembered. It's weird. Like, the Gremlins novelization is a weird formative thing for me. Yeah. I first, uh, I, I remember the novelization of um, Wrath of Khan. And I got that right after the movie. And in that novelization, they revealed the first names 
of Sulu and Uhura and uh, and uh, Chekhov. And they, of course, famously never said what they were in filmed Star Trek uh, until probably decades later. Maybe just like the current new Star Trek, maybe they finally said it. But I thought, I have tumbled across secret inside knowledge. I want to talk a little bit about the score for Gremlins because I think it's fantastic. Uh, which is, I think it's by Jerry Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. I think the score goes a long way towards keeping this from being like as terrifying as it could be because the score is kind of jaunty. I noticed it. Yeah. It keeps it, it keeps it light. Like between that and the snow white and the seven dwarves scene where the gremlins are in a movie theater, just absolutely in love with the hi ho scene from snow white and the seven dwarves. Yes. And they're all singing. (laughs) Great. I was I thought that was great. They love it. <laughs> I wonder if if uh, like Gremlins came out today, would they be like the Minions? Would they be in like seven movies? It's possible. I mean, since there are no new IPs, it, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think Gizmo might because Gizmo they merchandised the hell out of Gizmo, um, and there was a oh, lot sure. of Gremlins yeah. merchandise at the time too. But I don't. I don't think it sold as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think they would try and cross-functionally market the gremlins to more stuff these days. Uh to to ever diminishing yeah. returns. I do I do think <laughs> the sequel to Gremlins is like pretty fantastic. I think Gremlins 2, the new batch, which came out like six years after Gremlins, when people were no longer clamoring for a Gremlin sequel, is like a stealth. amazing film i think joe dante like was somehow granted complete creative freedom and just decided to make a just decided to make a live action cartoon i've only i've only seen it once but i remember thinking like holy this movie is fucking insane like in the way in the way you want it to be like just push it off the cliff Mm -hmm. i i love when you get the sense that you know uh, this is the last chance we're gonna have to do this just shove it off the cliff and make it fucking nuts or how the filmmakers Mm -hmm. kind of resented gizmo for taking over things so much and so they spend a lot of time in gremlins 2 torturing gizmo (laughs) (laughs) and i think at one point one of the gremlins one of the gremlins (laughs) is wearing like an anti-gizmo shirt stuck on this you little bastard (laughs) it's great and uh stripe Uh the gremlin does at one point in this movie michael ride a skateboard I we always I I always wonder when we've edged the line to the least amount of skateboarding in any given movie that we've and this is this has got to be <laughs> this has got to be up there with some of the some of the, the the least amount of skateboarding. I was delighted by not the how period accurate the skateboard was, but how location accurate the skateboard was. I think that at that time there were certainly much better and bigger and more like practical skateboards, but in a little department store in a small town, that is exactly the skateboard that he would be riding. And I thought I was, I thought that was whether or not it was a, it was a conscious detail. I remember thinking like, Oh man, like that's exactly it. It's like a small wooden skateboard with like the the bright see-through wheels and that's exactly what would have been on the shelves around christmas in that town in that store 
that night. I also thought the scene where he was cutting, where he had the chainsaw and he was cutting through the baseball mat was legitimately off-putting and terrifying. <laughs> like I was like, wow, this is, this is escalated here. Like this is fucking nuts. <laughs> and he just keeps going. It's like, God. And he's doing that. And then Gizmo's driving the little car. Yeah. 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 He's driving the Barbie car. And yet it all works. Like I never feel like the movie it, like veers too far into one tone. No, I it's it right. It because it's it's just dark enough that you kind of need that. And then vice versa. You know, it's if, if it was all silly, it would have, you know, it would have been a movie marketed for seven-year-olds. Yeah. And if it was all terrifying, I I, you know, I don't know why you would make that movie like cute little puppets getting murdered or whatever, but you know, but it toes the line really nicely. Well, this is absolutely one of the movies that caused the MPAA to create the PG-13 rating. Oh yeah. Um, Like this came out, it was rated PG. Uh, This came out in the same year. I think uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom came out. They're both rated PG, but they both had kind of like intense scenes. And I think parents were complaining and it was those two movies that, created cause like brought into being pg-13 yeah because it seems like a if that's a pg that's a hard pg that's what i mean like this was a hard pg and they they had to take a step back and be like maybe maybe there's something in between pg and r that we need yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny now that you know that, that that's a that's an interesting subject to bring up like movies that you see now and you're like wow, that's a PG movie? Like, that, holy shit. Because there wasn't the alternative, yeah. What was the first PG-13 movie? I Red Dawn. Red Dawn, what? yes. Yes, yeah. First PG-13 yeah, movie was Red that's Dawn. A, that, that movie, that's another one of those movies that you go back and you watch it, and you're like, this movie's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's super violent. Like, it's <laughs> really, really violent. Oh, my God. I loved Red Dawn when I was a kid. Oh, man. So hell much. yeah. I, I wanted the Russians to invade so me and my <laughs> friends could go into the woods. And, man, because if they invade... And, and shoot um, and rocket launchers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's 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 how that movie gets made, man. Yeah. Me and my dumbass friends are going to yeah. save our town. <laughs> All that hate's gonna eat you up, kid. Keeps you warm. <laughs> Loved it so warm. much. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you for joining us to talk about Gremlins. This has been awesome. Um, if you want to tell everyone uh, where they can find you and what might be happening in about a month, that might be awesome to check out. Yeah, yeah. In live action. Your host, your co-host, Kevin, and I will be attending DragonCon in Atlanta, Georgia, during the heat of summer, which is a terrible idea. I want you to come, but at the same time, you will die. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm the co-director of the American Sci-Fi Classics track, so programming about all the things that we've talked about tonight, we do panels on and we do little game shows and little fun uh, movie showings. And um, we have a charity movie that we'll, we do like four different movies and you have to pay to get out. For example, we're watching Mac and Me this year. Oh, man. <laughs> and you we lock the door to the room and you have to donate to the charity if you want to leave. And it's, we made so much money. 
<laughs> Damn, it's effective. And Joe, I know the the schedule has not really come out, but can I give like a little teaser of of one thing? Sure. Um, I think uh, one of the nights, uh, Chris Cummins, who was on this show to talk about Kenny and Company way back at when. Oh, good. And and I are gonna do a uh, a tribute to MTV's 120 minutes. Oh, neat. Followed by a 120 minutes dance party. It's going to be magical. <laughs> it's going to be a pajama jammy jam. <laughs> oh, these. I'm very, it's it's either going to be like, like me and Chris being like, don't you guys want to hear the Sundays? Or with, with like no one in the room. Or like a total banger. Uh, Play I mean, that one Love and Rocket <laughs> song. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm real curious to find out which it is. It's going to be a blast. No matter, even if we have panels that bomb, we have a blast doing them anyway. <laughs> and even when like we've had, we had, yeah, you have technical difficulties. It's like we're, we're Kevin and you, you're a recent joinee into our little gaggle of people. We're like a giant improv group, and we just go from year to year at Dragon Con and uh, do do the just put on a show, and then we do um, um, semi regular um, YouTube panels like podcasts, and um, we did that starting during the pandemic, and then just didn't stop after we were allowed to leave our bunkers again. Um, but so, but just Google or Bing it, if you'd like, uh, American <laughs> ask, Sci-Fi Ask Classic. Jeeves. <laughs> See you what he also says. ask Jeeves. You can ask Jeeves. And, and, and you'll find us. Just Google or Bing or ask Jeeves, um, Jeeves American Sci-Fi Classics. And we'll, we're on the YouTubes, we're on the Facebooks, and we do fun stuff. Sounds That's great. It. Awesome. It's uh it's really, really fun time if you're near Atlanta or can yeah. get to Atlanta. I, I, f- I feel like some crad- congratulations are in order. I think this might be the furthest off the rails we've ever taken <laughs> an episode of this podcast into 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 lands unknown. We, we talked about <laughs> me seeing Kiss when I was four. Somehow Lauren Green got me. Yeah, we got we yeah. we. We 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 managed to bring Lauren Green into the situation. It's been a virtual. It's been a roller coaster ride. I didn't even mention that Michael Winslow did some of the sound effects for the Gremlins. Really? Yes. That is an interesting fact, Kevin. One that, final <laughs> little nugget to go out. Little, on. Just a just yeah. one last little morsel. <laughs> All right, everybody, down, boys. That's some real solid work we just got done there. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Skateboarding is not a crime.